This reading is taken from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to the end. The baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thanks be to God. I'm not on. So you will have heard me uh, talk previously um, about expectations. And you will have quite often heard me use the question, what is the difference between a menu and a meal, haven't you? So that all kind of, that kind of language and that kind of understanding it was something for me that came out of a training session. And that concept of um, the expectations and, and our reaction to the reality of that and how expectations shapes very often our reaction to the reality um, is it, it, something that since that point on I've considered um, as I've looked through life. And now I start to interpret um, my, in a sense, my feelings or the way I feel about something in terms of the expectations that I have about it. Which is probably why I spend most of New Year's Eve in bed asleep because actually my expectations about it previously were too high and I always was disappointed. In pondering uh, this gospel reading um, this morning, I wondered again, actually, if we see a similar thing happening. John uh, the Baptist is out in the desert. Um, he has got quite a strong message. And in just the, the two verses before what we actually heard, John is saying, 
or that he has come to baptise with water for repentance, but that after him comes one who is more powerful than he is, one whose sandals he was not worthy to carry, and that he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and the fire. And then he says his winnowing fork is in his hands, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The imagery that John is using in that seems quite uh, uh, potentially violent, um, seems quite powerful and seems quite strong. And then Jesus turns up on the bank of the River Jordan. And I wonder at that point what John was expecting to happen. Matthew is quite unique in that Matthew provides this dialogue between Jesus and John in verses 14 and 15. And they're unique uh, to Matthew. They're not in any of the other four gospel accounts, three gospel accounts. Matthew tells us that John is prepared to stop Jesus and to say, no, I now need to be uh, baptised by you. And you could imagine that that is a perfectly reasonable explanation for John to have. Um, For it's later in the gospel when John actually sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? And Jesus' response is to to respond and say, what do you see happening? What do you see going on? And he shows how the actions of what is happening around him fulfills the um, prophecies in scripture um, much, much earlier. And you get the same thing here. Jesus says to John, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this and fulfill all righteousness. Jesus um, is different to what John is expecting. And in that action, in that action of saying, no, I'm not going to baptise you, but you need to baptise me, Jesus is identifying himself with the people who are facing judgment themselves and their need to repent. Jesus identifies himself with the people rather than um, kind of that sense of um, power and of being able to clear um, everything out. And Tom Wright says that in making that decision, in making that step and being baptised, Jesus sets the tone for the gospel story that is to come. God's rescue plan for his people is not one that is going to come through force, but it is one that is going to come through humility, through Jesus humbly identifying himself with God's people by taking their place, sharing their penitence, living their life, and ultimately dying their death. The whole story, the whole pattern of Jesus is the complete opposite of what the people's expectations were of their Messiah.
And at the point of baptism, there is for Jesus the anointing of the Spirit um, and the confirmation of Jesus' identity. The heavens, Matthew says, are opened and the Spirit of God descends as a dove. If we think about uh, just that imagery, again, we're tied back or we get thrown back right back into Genesis, that the Spirit of God hovering um, over the waters. There is a sense of something new, a new beginning happening. And the words that um, God uses actually also resonate with the passage that we heard from Isaiah. I don't know if you kind of noticed that or spotted that. But right at the beginning of Isaiah, um, we are introduced by God to a servant who has a specific task and will have a specific style of carrying that out. Verse 1 identifies uh, God as the source, as I've said, and, and he's the source of all that the servant is called to do. The servant is chosen because God delights in him. And God puts his spirit, i.e. the power and the wisdom of God, into the servant. And it is through God's spirit that ordinary human beings rise up and do amazing things. Moses, Abraham, the judges. Now that the source of the servant's call and strength had been, has been traced to God, the announcement in Isaiah moves on to name the task, to bring forth justice to the nations, all the nations. There is a universal sense um, of this calling and there is the manner in which it is to be done. And the manner is in direct conflict, or it's a direct contract, sorry, to conflict um, and to raw violence or raw force of making it so. Actually, the servant is called to just um, live humbly and show the compassion, um, uh, the compassion and the gentleness of that, and hopefully. That's the God's plan for attracting all the other nations uh, to them. Is the servant in Isaiah one person? Or is it um, an image, really? A reflection, a summary of, um, of the type of person that God um, might call and there's been much um, pondering um, about that. Um, and it feels, um, the common commentators rather suggest that instead of just being one person in one time and in one place, the picture and the image of this servant, uh, this suffering servant, is one that seems to uh, give a shape and a pattern uh, to God's um, mission and ministry um, into, into the future. And there's much of what Jesus actually, there's much about who Jesus is that fulfills that promise, that fulfills uh, that picture and that image. So in a sense, um, the servant um, gives a shape 
um, a place to look towards um, as uh, almost a pattern um, that we then see in Jesus. And as Christians, we get pointed, don't we, to Jesus as the person to look to, to get to know in order to find out about who God is, about what he um, is calling us to do. So what does all of that mean for us here and now in 2020? So Tom Wright sometimes is very helpful quite a lot of the time he is very helpful. I'm just conscious I'm being recorded as I say that. Um, Wright suggests that the part of the challenge of this passage is to learn afresh to be surprised by Jesus. Jesus comes to fulfill God's plans, not ours. But that in itself is a challenge. Because how do we know what God's plan is uh, for us. How do we learn that? How do we discover that? And actually, not just about us, what is God's plan for the places we inhabit outside of this place? How can we be the people that God is calling us to be when lives are busy, when there is so much to do, when we're tired and worn out, when we're struggling to cope, when we are grumpy, when we can't be bothered, when we know we're in the right place but it's tough, when life seems to be going well and we are enjoying it. And as I wrote that, I kind of thought, you know what, it's not rocket science. in the sense that it's about spending time with God because God, says Isaiah, is the source. He is the place to start. He is the source of the plan, the source of the the call and the source of the strength that we need. And to be in touch with the source, we need to be spending time with God. in scripture, in studying scripture, and in prayer. And we need to accept that that may look very different for each and every one of us. But the calling is to spend time with him. And Jesus himself is the pattern of how we should live. He sets that out that example. And the Matthew passage so strongly reminds us that actually Jesus identified in that place with the people who were coming to John, the people who needed um, repentance, the people who, who kind of recognised it and the people who didn't. So if that's the case, what does it mean for us to align ourselves, to identify with the people that we are alongside. And again, in a sense, that will be different for each of us because of the different places that we are in. But interestingly, the way of Jesus is one of vulnerability. 
and not one of strength and power. And perhaps that gives us hope. And God's task is around righteousness and justice for all. And again, there is the question of what does that look like in the places where we are? (coughs) Lots of questions and things to ponder over the coming week and over the coming months. just going to leave you with um, a last thought. I was scrolling uh, through Facebook uh, last night um, and there was a photo actually that had been shared on a couple of people's um, uh, 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 kind of profiles Um, and it said this, it said this year I want to be more like Jesus and then it gave a to-do list. Hang out with sinners, upset religious people, tell stories that make people think, choose unpopular friends, Be kind, loving and merciful. Take naps in boats. But if you had your list to look more like, to be more like Jesus, what would be on your list? 